As long as we are still living, we can be sure God's work in us and through us is not yet complete. We all have unfinished business. So, what is the unfinished business in your life? Let's talk about that right now. Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Venture Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Wills, lead pastor at Chandler Acres Church in Bellevue, Nebraska. And as always, praying for you all that God will give you a reason, a purpose of why he has placed you where you are at, at this exact moment, right? Uh, I believe God uh, has a plan for all of us. And uh, I've, I've truly, truly believe that God um, reveals that to us in all kinds of different ways. Um, and so my, my prayer is that always that um, as he does that, you are opening your heart and your, your ears and just uh, ready to receive him. You know, I'm praying for that each and every, each and every day. Hey, uh, we are getting closer to Easter, right? One more week, right? This coming Sunday uh, is our celebration of uh, of the risen Savior, amen, right? And so we're getting prepared here for that at Chandler Acres. I hope you guys are as well, wherever you attend church or um, wherever you're listening from this from or whatever the, whatever the scenario is, um, we just pray that... Uh, during this Easter time, that uh, that God will just um, do some some crazy amazing things to for you and through you and with you, you know, uh, just super excited for this season. Hey, we are in week number four of our series that we are doing, uh, Red Letter Day, and we are talking about uh, the different things that Jesus said while uh, in the crucifixion process, right before and during. Uh, and so forth. And so uh, I want to just kind of dive in today. Uh, and so if you have a Bible with you, or if you just want to listen to me read that, we're going to be in John chapter 19 to start off with. And let me just kind of give you some context here. Uh, if you'll remember, shortly before the cross, Jesus was in the, the Garden of Gethsemane. The Bible says that he was in such agony that he, that literally drops of blood were were coming from his brow as he thought ahead to what he would experience on the cross. And sure enough, it was the worst, way worse than any of us could ever imagine. Right? The Roman soldiers beat him senseless after whipping him thirty nine times across his back to where, very likely, his internal organs would be exposed. They beat him again and again in the face. They, they mocked him. They spit on him. The creation abusing the creator. They, they took a crown of the sharpest thorns you could ever imagine. Thorns really long, you know, pushing into, down into his, his brow. So that blood streamed across his bruised face that, that barely even looked human at all at this, at this point. And the soldiers then took long stakes and drove them through his wrists and through his ankles and suspended him midair on a, on a cross. And as man did his worst, God was at his best. When Jesus spoke the very first words, he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And so we're going to pick up the story in John chapter 19, like I said, but uh, in 28 uh, through 30. And here's what the Bible says. 
Later knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he had received the drink, Jesus says, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He did what God sent him to do. The words, it is finished, is actually comes from one Greek word, is the word tetelestai. This word means to end, to complete, to execute, or discharge uh, a debt. Jesus said, tetelestai, I I did it. I paid the debt. I finished it. I discharged. I I did precisely what you sent me to do. This one little word has so much rich meaning. In fact, there are three different ways this word can be used. It can mean when a servant returns to his master and says, I finished, I have finished what you sent me to do. There's nothing left for me to be done. I did everything you asked me to do. It could be used as a a merchant declares that the, the debt you owe is paid in full. You owe nothing. The debt is cleared. It's totally, it's totally paid. It's gone. It could be used when a, a priest examines a lamb for the sacrifice, and the priest says to Telestai, it is, it is perfect. The lamb has no blemish at all. It's, it's practically perfect. And Jesus, on the cross before God, to Telestai, I, I did it. History has been changed. He said, your vision, your work, God, it is complete. And you may say, well, what did he finish? Well, one thing, so many of us, so many of these prophecies had had been fulfilled, right? In fact, in the Old Testament, um, there were several of them, and I'm just going to list a few of those prophecies that were uttered literally hundreds of years before this event uh, that were fulfilled. Amos uh, prophesied that darkness would befall the land, and it was fulfilled. Isaiah said Jesus would one day be rejected, and he was. Psalm said he would be betrayed, and he was. Isaiah also said he would be beaten. He was. He was spit upon. He was uh, wounded and bruised for our transgressions, and he was, right? Psalm said he would be mocked, and he was. Zechariah said he would be forsaken by his friends, and we know that is true, so uh, that happened. And Isaiah said he would pray for his uh, persecutors, and he did, right? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they did, right, or do. And he would be crucified next to thieves, and and he was. Psalm said they would cast lots for his clothing, and they did. It also said he would cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he did. It was prophesied that he would be pierced, and he was. It was also prophesied that they would offer him vinegar to drink, and he would say, I am thirsty, and that is exactly what happened. It is finished. It is finished. All of those prophecies have been finished. So what else was finished? Well, Satan's plan had been thwarted. Since the beginning of the birth of Jesus, Satan did everything he could to take Jesus off the track to the cross, but Jesus finished it. He completed what God sent him to do. The sacrifice was perfect. The debt had been paid in full. Sin lost its sting and power for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Jesus looked up to his father and said, I've finished what you sent me to do. The best news for all of us is that Jesus finished the work, right? And that's great news. That's good news. The bad news, though, even though he finished, you haven't. That's right. None of us have. If you are alive today, you have unfinished business. There's more that God wants to do in you and through you, okay? We have unfinished 
business. In Revelation 3, 1 through 2, it says, To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. We have unfinished business. 24 years ago, I came face to face with the gospel of grace. I don't know what it was about that moment, but the light bulb turned on for me. In my heart, I knew that this is it. This is the void that I had been trying to fill with so many things. Christ was the answer, and so I surrendered my life to him. And I have to tell you, I was pretty confident at that moment, right? Because I was, I was just on fire for God, right? My, my faith was so sure, and I was so passionate, and it was kind of like I was a spiritual superhero of sorts, like, da-da-da-da, let's take on the world, right? And I was so fired up about God, and that there was nothing and no one that could or would get between me in, a, in accomplishing what God had created me to do. And then life happens. And then laziness sets in, and my time with him and my intimacy with him, it started to become secondary. The things that I looked at that I shouldn't be looking at, the things that I was thinking about that I shouldn't be thinking about were, were coming forward, right? And then about 15 years ago, I, I woke up, and I was this personification of this passage. I had a reputation for being alive, but in my character, I was dead. I have unfinished business my unfinished business is this. It is to live the rest of my life in such a way that the outward passion that I have for Christ is matched by the inward character that I have in Christ. You see, they have to match. Both the inside as well as the outside have to be in sync. And that is my unfinished business. And so I want to ask, what's yours? What is it? Um, you know, I would love to, to know, and if you, man, if you could write some of these in, in our comments or something like that, that would be great. I'd love to pray for you for some of your unfinished business, but I, but I want you to think about this. And if you have the opportunity or in a position to write something down right now, I, I hope you'll do that. Cause I want to ask you to identify your unfinished business. I want you to write it down somewhere, right? The first thing that comes to your mind, it, it may not be a huge thing. Maybe it's just something that God has burdened you with you know, created you to do that you have not seen through. Maybe your, your unfinished business is to forgive someone, right? Maybe your unfinished business is to get out of debt. Maybe it's to share the love of Christ with someone you, you love who you know is far from Christ, okay? And in the next few moments, what I'm going to ask you to do is, as you're thinking about that, maybe writing those down, I want you to just kind of let God speak to your heart in light of what you are thinking about or writing down, okay? And you might ask why. Well, because every single day that God blesses us with another opportunity to live is another opportunity to take one step closer to the purpose that he has given you. Jesus finished well, right? And let's be honest, we live in a culture where people start many, many things and finish few. And so how do we finish well like Christ when so few of us finish anything? I want to give you a couple of thoughts today, okay, as we just seek God and ask him this question. How can I finish strong? How can I finish strong? Okay. Uh, the first thought is this. We are going to make a commitment. We're going to make a commitment. Now, I, 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 I know some of you are like, well, I've already done that. I've made a commitment. Well, have you? 
I think we have a skewed view of what commitment really looks like in our in our culture. See, Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 8.11 this, Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. Let me read that part to you again. So that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it. See, I believe in our culture, commitment is defined by merely eager willingness. It's, it's not commitment. You know, we'll say, we'll, we'll commit. I, I'm going to lose weight. But that is only an eager willingness in reality because we all know that there's probably still double stuffed Oreos in our food pantry, right? <laughs> you know, we, we probably do. If it's not double stuffed Oreos, it's something else, right? It's not commitment until you change and you, and you complete what your eager willingness was, was about. I'm going to give you an example. In the spring of 1519, you guys remember back that far, right? <laughs> uh, Hernando uh, Cortez received permission from the governor of Spain to take 11 ships and 700 men to discover a new world. They sailed all the way with, with eager willingness to expand the territories of Spain and to increase the, the treasures that they would find in this new land. And, and so when they landed in Veracruz, their eager willingness quickly waned. Because what they discovered there was the most savage, violent natives that they had not prepared for. They were not ready for this. And all of a sudden, the crew began to descend. They, they began to talk to one another and saying, I want to go home. I don't like the food, blah, 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 blah. I don't, I don't like somebody chasing me, trying to cut off my head. I want to go home, right? And so their eager willingness was gone. Well, when Cortez got wind of the descent, he, he gave an order to some of his crew. It was a really a simple order. It was burn the ships, and they did, and that is commitment. See, when those ships are gone, there's no other place to, to, to go anywhere, right? They have no way of getting away from where they were. That was commitment is taking your passion, your passionate desire to do something, and then drawing a line in the sand and stepping across that line, and then there's no turning back, right? That is how we finish strong. When we commit with that kind of resolve, and it's exactly what we see with our Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was battling over what he knew would, would happen, right? And Scripture says that the stress and the agony was so intense that the capillaries in his skin were bursting under distress, and he was literally sweating blood. And you hear it in his voice when he said this in Luke twenty two forty two, Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Father, if there is any other way, please, 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 please take this away. And, and then something changed. It was the moment where our Savior stepped across that line and there was no turning back. And, and he says, not my will, but yours. In that moment, it was on. It was on like Donkey Kong, right? It, it, he says, if we are going to finish strong, we, we start with commitment by making commitment with great resolve. The second thing, the second thought to, to finishing strong is this. We are going to take the next step, okay? We're going to take the next step, and after that, we're going to take the next step. And then, after that, we're going to take the next step, <laughs> right? And we're just going to keep taking step after step. Why? Because the gap between where we live today and our present reality is so overwhelming to where God wants us. That's why most people don't finish. They, they look at this huge gap that, that separates where we are from where God wants us to the fulfillment of, of his vision. And you might say, I can't do that. 
And I answer to you is yes, you can with one step after another step after another step. It's basically baby steps, right? You guys ever seen the movie, What About Bob? You know, starring Bill Murray. And I believe the psychologist was uh, Richard Dreyfuss. And and uh, Richard Dreyfuss was always telling Bill Murray, you know, it's baby steps. You got to take baby steps. I think his book was even called Baby Steps in the movie or whatever. But it was always, you know, baby steps to the elevator and baby steps to the beach and baby steps. You know. So for us, it's baby steps out of my addiction, baby steps out of out of debt, right? We are going to take baby steps to the promise of what God has called us to do and who he has called us to be. And that is why in Psalm 119, 105, Scripture says, The word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. See, it's in this, it's this place that the beauty of God's word comes alive because he doesn't give us enough revelation to go the whole way, right? We can't see that far. But I can see just enough to take one more step. Fifteen years ago, I found myself a, a million miles away from the work that, that God started me in when I became this uh, I shouldn't say this, the a follower of Christ. In the goodness of, of God's grace, he showed me, you just need to take a step, Dan. And so I did. And my first step was a confession. I, I let I, I wanted to tell God, man, I'm sorry, and I please God forgive me, and I let God forgive me, and and then I forgave myself, and then I took another step and another step, and eventually I'm I'm here uh, talking to you today. I'm here at Chandler Acres preaching on Sunday mornings. But here's the deal. It's still not finished. God still has business for me to do, and I will do that step by step. And so what's your next step? You don't have to map out the whole thing. God won't let you do it even if you wanted to. So what is your next step? Okay, if you have an opportunity to write this down as well, please write this down. You know, give some time to this. Write it down. Think about this. Okay, what is it? Is it is it is it to cut up the credit cards, wanting to get out of debt? Okay, is it to make the phone call to to forgive someone? Okay, maybe it's to fill out a resume for a new job. Maybe your next step is to for to truly forgive uh, somebody that you 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 just really feel like you shouldn't be forgiving, but you know you need to. Maybe your next step is, is going to happen, maybe it's today, listening to this podcast where, you know what, for once and for all, you surrender your life to, the, to Christ for the first time. See, if we are going to finish strong, we are going to commit with great resolve, and we are going to take the next step. During this time of year, it, it is really overwhelming to think about the journey that Christ went on, right? When we, when we get closer to Easter, uh, we just really begin to think about the journey that Christ went on. He went, he went from the Garden of Gethsemane to the cross, right? Jesus was crucified on a hill, and it was called Golgotha, and it literally meant the place of the skull. And, and I often imagine what that journey up that hill looked like. He was beaten within an inch of his life, barely unrecognizable as a human being. And in that place, he, he took, up a, took a step up that hill to carry your sin and my sin to his cross. And in that agony, with the crown of thorns being put on his brow, the thorns going deep into his skin, he took a step with the hope that you would one day say yes to a relationship with Christ, that you would become adopted as a child of God. And then he picked up a beam that he would be hung on and he placed it on his beaten shoulders, bruised in body, you know, all over, just placed it on there. Pounds of, pounds of weight. And he took a step 
with the hopes that those of us who are under the suffocating weight of, of bondage of, of sin and addiction would, would be set free. Then he clawed his way up to the place where nails the size of railroad spikes would pierce his wrists and his ankles. And he took another step, the, the last step to, to say to you, I love you. He finished well. He finished strong. And for those of us who still have breath in our lungs, who have not yet finished what God has purposed us to finish, let us be encouraged by the truth of God's word in Philippians 1.6. Scripture says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So let me read that to you again and let that sink in. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. In 1968, in the Mexico City Olympics, John Stephen Aquari from Tanzania uh, set out hopes uh, for an Olympic gold medal, just like every other athlete. And he was competing in the 26.2-mile marathon race. And But sadly for him and his country, midway through the race, he had this horrible accident, and he fell to the ground, and he gashed his knee wide open and, and dislocated his knee from the joint, and it was probably, definitely, certainly going to keep him from finishing the race. And So all the other runners left him behind and eventually entered into the stadium for the final lap, and the crowd's going nuts, and they have a winner, a second-place person, a third-place person, and so on, and, they, uh, and the, you know, it gets all done, and the stadium begins to empty. You know, and, and John Stephen Aquari at that moment shocked the world, right? The stadium's pretty much empty, just a very few people in there. And this very injured runner hobbled into the stadium, limping and fighting his way around for one more lap around the empty stadium to the finish line. His leg was wrapped with a little towel, blood was gushing down, and this very brave hero finished a race that virtually everyone else would have quit. That's what we are going to do. We as, a, as, as, as people of Christ and as a church, that's what we're going to do because we have unfinished business and God is calling us to finish the race. And so after the race was won, the interviewers asked John, why did you do what no one else would have? And John said, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start a race. They sent me 5,000 miles to what? Finish the race. See, God did not send you to earth to start a race. He sent you here to finish it. Commit, take the step, and finish. Finish your race. If you are still alive, God is not through with you yet. Keep in step with the Spirit. Stay close to God and follow his voice. Commit and take the next step so one day you can stand before Christ in heaven and say, it is finished. I did what you sent me to do. And he will say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Finish the race. Amen. That concludes another episode of Venture Podcast. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. We hope you're enjoying this series. Join us next week for Easter as we wrap up our series of the Red Letter Day. We hope you'll be there. 
and we'll talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Chandler Acres Church and its ministries, or you would like to help support this podcast, go to www.chandleracreschurch.com.